I was complaining about how a lot of the other stories just took Star Wars tropes and just, you know, redistributed them. Here, it was just an unfamiliar story in the Star Wars universe. It did have some of the stuff that I hate, like the plucky young apprentice who manages to save the day. And That's in line with anime, though. The plucky young person who figures it out and saves the day. Almost all of these stories, every anime has that character. It, yeah, I, I just, uh, but it's fucking annoying. <laughs> Haruka Toku no Ginga De. Sorry, guys. Roman bumped his head this morning, and this is what he sounds like now. These aren't the droids you're looking for, nor is it a Japanese Star Wars fanfic happy hour. But Ryan, did you not see the latest and greatest Japanese animated feature on Disney Plus? Latest and greatest Japanese animated feature on Disney Plus? Are you talking about the famous erotic anime series La Blue Girl? Uh, wrong streaming service. I'm pretty sure that one's going to be NC-17. It is totally going to be NC-17. Do not look it up. Do not look it up. Your aunt listens to this podcast, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know my aunt didn't tell me about La Blue Girl? I'm Roman Segel. I'm Ryan Joe. And we are two dudes who have got a bad feeling about this episode. Yeah, that's what happens when you eat food off the ground, though. This week on Quarantine Comics, we were going to talk about something weird. Yes, we were going to talk about this weird manga series, Dementia 21, but then Roman took a wrong turn, and now we're in Disneyland again. I forgive you, Roman. Sorry, not sorry, because we once again find ourselves veering off course, this time to a galaxy far, far away for Star Wars Visions, a series of nine animated shorts that lets Japanese anime houses have their way with George Lucas' most prized possessions. But don't worry, ladies and Jawas, we can make anything weird. Sarlacc tentacles and slug sex with the huts. Oof, gross. No way. Well, how about other anime tropes like extreme destruction, long fight scenes, ridiculously reimagined lightsabers, super cute anthropomorphized robots, and or romanticized takes on the samurai legends? You mean like all that Kurosawan stuff that originally inspired George Lucas to rip it off in the first place? Robin, I think you just discovered the adjectival form of Kurosawa. This detour is so worth it. <laughs> Brought to you by acclaimed anime creators like Kamikaze Doga, Gino Studio, Studio Color Colorido, Trigger, Kinema Citrus, Production IG, and Misaki Yuasa's Science Saru. I don't watch enough anime to know what these are, but maybe if you do, you'll find them familiar and you'll be totally offended by my <laughs> brutalization of their names. I just put those those in so we'd sound smarter right before I just list out a bunch of celebrities that also added their voice talents to the animated series like Lucy Liu, Henry Golding, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Allison Brie, Simu Liu, Neil Patrick Harris, Kyle Chandler, that's Coach Taylor, Bobby Moynihan, David Harbour, Jamie Chung, George Takei, Lorraine Toussaint, among many, many others. But no Ben Kingsley. Or Tony Leung. You know, it's not even worth watching. <laughs> Also joining us on our fantastic journey is past Quarantine Comics guest and friend of the pod, Paresh Ja. Paresh, welcome to Quarantine Comics. Happy to be here. It was really tough to not laugh throughout everything I just heard, but I'm, I'm glad I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Paresh, before we hear Ryan sing praise and just like go overboard with how much he loved Star Wars Visions, I guess I want to ask you first... <laughs> That's called foreshadowing, kids. <laughs> but before we even talk about the show, like the thing that got me hyped for it was the trailer a, a couple months ago and be like, wait, they're making what? <laughs> like, I, how did you feel going into this before you even watched it? Well, the trailer is just good marketing. It was a really good trailer. How I felt about going into it, I thought it was a, a smart move. It got me excited for Star Wars again after the hot garbage that was Rise of Skywalker. So this was exciting in a way where I didn't need to know too much. All I needed to know is that I'm a fan of anime and this was Star Wars anime. A fan of me? You're a fan of me. Exactly. Yeah. 
otaku i guess i, I don't know naruto that's all i got believe Very it good. Uh, no I, I guess i want to ask about that because as you could tell by ryan and i it's like we appreciate manga probably more than anime mm-hmm. and we're not anime heads and i think you're more of one what have been some of your influences your favorites and more importantly why what is it about anime that that you like so much Explain anime to America, please. Well, that, that's a bolt. I am in no way going to do that. I am a fan. I am not an expert. But uh, when it comes to anime, I guess the first thing that I, I really started enjoying as a kid was Dragon Ball Z. And I would assume most anime fans would consider that pretty basic. But it was so fast paced, so crazy, so ridiculous and over the top that I fell in love with it. And that to me was one of the most noticeable hallmarks of anime. I also really enjoyed the one of the first things I watched other than Dragon Ball Z was Ghost in the Shell and also a lot of the Studio Ghibli stuff, which mainly Princess Mononoke. So those are really the main things that I enjoyed. But what this Star Wars Visions really reminded me of when I first heard it was coming out was some of the more recent, I guess, Western IP attempts at doing anime. Like there was the Animatrix... And then I believe there was Gotham Knights, which was supposed to be set in the Dark Knight universe. So that's the vibe I thought this was going to come through in Star Wars Visions. And were those American attempts to create IP with an anime look and feel? Or were there actual anime studios creating those other properties? Now, that's a good question that I should probably have done some research on, but I don't have the answer to that. (laughs) The truth is, I'm not sure, but I do know those are pretty beloved as far as I can tell, Um, especially the Animatrix when uh, when it originally came out. Yeah, yeah, because that was like a a midquel, like a a sequel or like in-between stuff that was still canon when we still hadn't seen the hot piece of garbage that was the third Matrix movie. But Ryan, speaking of praise... (laughs) (laughs) here's a funny thing okay i saw the trailer for this thing a couple months ago and i got super hyped and i texted ryan and paresh and another friend of ours chris who literally has a company of urban anime like at the intersection of comics and culture and i was like i can't wait as soon as this drops we're doing an episode and more or less everyone said they'd do it even ryan he was like sweet i'll watch it and some of the texts that were exchanged as we were going through ryan let's let's do let's rip this band-aid off baby how'd you feel about it so i i actually really do like seeing this the universe of star wars with different looks obviously like many people i grew up with it and for the longest time it was just all about the original trilogy and then it was about the prequels and what's exciting about every time for a while there was a new star wars trailer it's you see something familiar in a different light and here in these episodes i really like for instance the kurosawa aesthetic of the first episode really harkening back to some of george lucas's influences Influences, and right there was the the fusion in the later episode of traditional japanese architecture and that's dirty industrial look that characterizes star wars that's in the episode about the The sister bunny right yeah so so I really I really liked the way it looked. And again, like like you, I was really taken by the trailer because it, of course it shows all of the coolest sequences and the the beautiful visuals. And the animation is fantastic. Now from a storytelling perspective, it 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 repeats a lot of the beats that are very very familiar to people who are fans of the Star Wars universe. There's a plucky hero who saves a day against all odds. There's a familial rivalry. There's a stranger comes to town. There's a weird infatuation in this group of stories with the crystals that are used to power the lightsaber. I think like more than two or three stories actually had that as a centerpiece. And then lines like, I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> you could play a drinking game with it. They use it over and over again. When you first hear it again for the first time, maybe in probably in the prequels, it's like, oh, hey, I remember that. But then it becomes a cliche. The best stories in this series to me were the ones that got away from all of that. But maybe not completely, but that were able to tell different or unique stories Without really falling back into feeling like they're just redistributing old Star Wars assets. Yeah, I think something that was special about this for me, and I guess one question I want to ask you, Ryan, as well, is like, how much non-canon Star Wars stuff did you consume over the years, other than the films and the more recent Disney Plus shows, or even like the animated shows? Were you ever like digging into the lore and what Wikipedia is and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I guess what I appreciated about this was it was nine very different takes. It wasn't 
let's do an animated continuity nine part TV show. Let's just give you nine wildly different takes. And I actually think it's a hilarious coincidence that a lot of them were obsessed with the crystals and the size of your lightsaber. It's really how you use it. But but, but also like the lines, like the callbacks in the lines, Star Wars has basically five or six that they just chose to overuse one. I don't think Kathleen Kennedy and Bob Iger or Bob Chapek at Disney were like, you must include this line in all nine episodes. Sure. I just think it's worn upon cliche territory that no one at the animated studios said, do you think it's going to be cliche if we do that one thing that everyone expects? I think they were fans and yeah, yeah. all the creators yeah. were fans. And that was just a nod that they wanted to do. That's the sense I got from all the behind the scenes features on all this stuff too. They were like four minutes long. So it was interesting. But that's one thing I gleaned from this is that all of the creators we're huge fans of the franchise. You'll be hard pressed to find a lot of quote unquote geeks and nerds who aren't fans, right? So I think I think that was a benefit, if anything. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I, I'm sure that there were some ground rules, like you can't use actual Star Wars characters. You have to create your own. You can't reference. Yeah. I'm guessing, but I, I do Boba definitely. Fett was in one. No, that's true. But they they, they never reference like the Skywalkers or Darth Vader, yeah. and I wonder if that was a rule. They just don't want to like dip into that mythology. Right. And I definitely. Agree. You know, it was probably a coincidence that more than a few stories were obsessed with the crystals of the lightsabers. More than a few stories were using line. I have a bad feeling about this. One of the things, Roman, you asked if I read some of like the expanded universe or if I consumed any of the other Star Wars stuff beyond the trilogy. I did. I read the expanded universe stuff, but I didn't really like it as much as other people did because it destroyed the mystique of Star Wars a little bit. The whole mystique of the lightsaber is that you don't really explain too much about it. It is this yeah. ancient yeah. weapon. You don't quite know how it works. And as the series progressed with prequels and sequels and... Midichlorians, and, uh, yeah. Midichlorians, it slowly starts to take the mystique away from it. And, and I feel like... Of course, people are obsessed with lightsabers because they are badass weapons. And then it makes sense if you want to write an interesting Star Wars story to center it around a lightsaber because you want to explore it a little bit. But then you have a whole bunch of people doing the same thing. And suddenly that saps the lightsaber of all of its mysticism, of all of the mystery that mm. really gave it so much of its storytelling power in the original trilogy. Fun fact, again, de depends on how much of a geek you are, but Disney just released a new lightsaber uh, toy and what the underlying technology uh, of the new lightsaber is, and it's not a crystal? LSD. <laughs> a slap bracelet. I shit you not. <laughs> the underlying technology of the new amazing lightsaber, go go check it on YouTube, is a slap bracelet. Well, how does that work? Uh, you know how a slap bracelet... <laughs> yeah, you slap your wrist and it curls around it. How does that... What so, does that have to do with a lightsaber? It's the opposite. So now, like, the foil that lights up... Is like uh, it's a coiled slot bracelet, and you press a button and uncoils it into a stick. Interesting. Okay, so it's like a party blower thing. Is it? But, is it uh, interesting? In form. Is this really interesting? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I think one thing though I did like about the show, and what's interesting, I read far too much expanded universe, like ruined my brain on Star Wars, and I would argue the only good expanded universe is the Timothy Zahn trilogy and a couple of the other things that he's done, because similarly. They went too deep on the the same characters, the Skywalkers, and their whole thing over and over again. And what I really appreciated about this is it played out the archetypes for sure, but in this lived-in universe, right? There were no rules to how many Sith there could be. There were no rules to what a spaceship could or couldn't do. They were literally breaking the laws of Star Wars physics in some cases because it just fucking looked cool. And that's, these are like 15, 20 minute high octane anime eye explosions in many cases. In some cases, it was just like beautiful, artfully rendered stuff like the wedding episode and stuff. Yeah, the village bride. That was my favorite one, actually. Yeah. So um, the thing that a lot of people have been complaining about Star Wars has been, why can't you just live in this universe? Why do you have to explain everything? Or why do you have to bring it back to so many fan service callback. So like the second season of The Mandalorian, it's like, how many ways are we going to connect it back to continuity MCU style versus just being a bounty hunter on the run with a cute little puppet? And so I think what this did so well, because none of these things were connected, these were all like what if or Elseworld stories. 
is they could just do whatever the fuck they wanted, whatever they thought would be cool, because it was supposed to just be all style with a little bit of substance. Yeah, that was refreshing. But also, going back to your original question, Roman, in About terms the of- the slot bracelets? Yes. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> but- the original question about what I was expecting from this, and we've already talked about the origins of Star Wars a little bit and how Kurosawa was a reference point for George Lucas and all of that. But when I was expecting is exactly what happened. When it comes to anime, a lot of the the themes that you see in a lot of different anime stem from something called Shintoism in Japan, which is like a religion that's very based on nature and preserving and respecting nature and all of that stuff. So a lot of the themes that I saw in these stories had a lot to do with that. The Village Bride specifically, where they were almost praying to the mountains, to the valleys and the rivers and all of that stuff. So it came out in a very respectful way, I thought. And it makes sense because these are all Japanese animators and creators. But the whole notion of Shintoism has this belief of kami, which is that there are souls or spirits that live within nature which is not that different from the force. the force, which comes from all things. Exactly. Although the force comes from all things, including like inanimate objects, which I always, as a quasi spiritualist, like always took issue with. I was like, come on, the rock. <laughs> well, I mean, there are creatures enough. in the rock. There's moss on the rock. The rock was created through a natural process. Exactly. It's not, it's not like a piece of plastic. It's not like the force is coming from a plastic milk jug. It could. It could. Who knows? Yeah, you rub it. There's static. That's the force, right? There you go. See? Ryan's into it. <laughs> you're saying the slap bracelet has the force, is what you're saying. I swear to God, we mentioned the slap bracelet one more time, man. You have to slap the shit out of you. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually kind of a question for you, Roman. So you mentioned the style over substance, which I think is a pretty good assessment of visions was that a good thing or a bad thing for this show it was a good thing for something that was nine independent shorts that wasn't allowed to touch continuity that was just allowed to live in this lived in universe i'm all for it you know what i love about pixar shorts they're not connected to anything it's in and out although pixar does tend to go a little deeper on story with their shorts be it the bow be it sanjay mm -hmm. superheroes and pixar is known for being about story but I'm sorry, man. Even like the animated series from Star Wars, like Clone Wars, I'm cool with the plot, but just give me some clone troopers and lightsabers and I'm good. <laughs> it, it lights up. It, and we were arguing about this over text. You were saying this is designed for kids or something like that. I was like, no, I think it's designed for the kid and the fan and all of us. I, this, I, I think you have to take that on an episode by episode basis. Fair, fair because point, yes, point. agreed. Tattooing Rhapsody about the plucky hero, the band, definitely. But the duel... Obviously, if you're a fan of Kurosawa, you're going to be mm. like, holy shit, it's Kurosawa with lightsabers, the lady with the umbrella. Yeah. So depends which story you're talking about. I, that, I shouldn't have used that mm -hmm. generally, but yeah. Yeah, but it's uh, and I actually tried this. We have I have a child in my house and we have a Disney Plus account with a kid's account. So it toggles over to Elena of Avalor face and it opens up like a very curated. There's things my daughter can't see and this. None of the Star Wars cartoons. I think the only Star Wars stuff that shows up in her Disney Plus profile is like Lego Star Wars. So this is and isn't for kids or at least not under the age of like seven or eight. But this was made for us. Straight up, like there was very little marketing, so to speak, like this isn't going to drive Disney Plus subscriptions. This is something to keep you around on Disney Plus. Something that actually upset me was why did they need to release all nine at once? Kind of would have been more powerful to just like drip these out week by week and let nah, people you, say like. You, you have to release them all at once. They were like 15 minutes each. Like it so, Yeah, been... they were super short. I, I, I agree with Presh on that one. Hmm. I don't know. I'm becoming more and more a fan even in some of the comics we read, Ryan, I was re-listening to one of the things we just released, is I want this stuff in bits and bytes because it allows you to sit with it. It allows you, and this is where Disney like has marketing muscle, dominate the conversation for a week. Everyone's talking about this week's what if, and people are arguing about, is it a good or a bad episode, regardless of what the episode is. Um, but that's serialized, Roman. That's different, right? This, well, is, this is like an anthology. I don't know if it would really hold the anticipation each week because each story isn't connected. And you're also talking, I think, specifically about the new world, which is a very strange, enigmatic and that makes more sense, where you have to sit back and try to figure out what you read. This one, is it's flash, it's pomp. So, so give me a little, so fine. Give me a little flash every week. That's fine. 
Like I, because I think there's a love hate relationship with each of these episodes and we can go into some of them, but I don't think it would have felt like it was dragging on. It's just like every week, a little piece of delight just shows up on your screen. And that's a pleasant surprise. And again, I don't think it matters one way or the other for Disney. It's just another thing to feed the content beast. But this wasn't built as a money making venture. This was made built as a piece of artistic expression. I, I will argue in your favor for one point is that if they did do that, they could have really added a few extra things in terms of featuring the studios and the voices behind it and some of their other work or something along those lines. And that could have dominated the conversation. I'm just really against binge culture. I, I just I like this slow drip because it allows you to think about it, to sit with it. To your point, wow, that first thing, everyone on the internet's talking about this Kurosawa guy and how it's really based on Something that a lot of people don't know that, believe it or not, right? And right, spend right. some time with that. The Tatooine Rhapsody. I think, Paresh, a week later, you just realized that was Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And the only reason I realized that was because I heard it on a podcast like the day after, right? Yeah, I, I only you, realized it when I watched the behind the scenes thing and then I texted you. And then, and then Ryan <laughs> is like wondering about how slugs breed. You know, like, <laughs> so much good conversation happens in the moments between these episodes versus... Like, I'm even finding it hard, but like, which one do we talk about? Yeah, I agree with what you're saying to some degree, but these are so short, dude, that I don't know if they really could have maintained that anticipation each week without doing something else with it. Like, for instance, the ninth Jedi, the studio behind it, Production IG, they, I believe they did Ghost in the Shell. Most people don't know about that, but that's- Oh, over- really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Legendary. And that one was the longest episode, you'll recall. It was almost 30 minutes. That one is actually one of my favorite episodes because it was different from the others. But it had the most lightsabers. But they were all slap bracelet lightsabers. I fucking hate you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, like Lucy Lou's umbrella lightsaber. So, Oh, man. So uh, I got to ask, Paresh, we know which one you enjoyed the most, but which one did you enjoy the least? That's a good question. I guess the one I enjoyed the least... Would have been Akakiri, which was the last one. Yeah. It was... It ended the whole show with a whimper. Or or a a dark ending, even. It was a dark ending. I appreciated the, I I guess, quote-unquote, twist that it had. But I just, I don't know. I wasn't invested in that one as much. I don't know if it was the animation style, too. It was throwing me off. It reminded me of Bob's Burgers. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to defeat one of my earlier points. I saved that one for last. Like I powered through the first few, a couple of two or three a night, and then I started tapering it off to one a night to just have like a nice thing to enjoy for a couple of nights. And I was like, "Oh, this is going to be the last one. I'm sure it's going to be great." And I just had such high expectations for it, and it just left me with a whimper. I appreciated that one. I wasn't my favorite. It wasn't my least favorite. I, I did sort of appreciate the sacrifice that he had to make in order to save his friend and sure. then how that cost him. So at the end, I was like, okay, that's an interesting scenario. And then it ends. I can't say that the lead up to that particularly made a lot of sense to me. Why is his friend dressed up like a villain? So he stabs her. Why are his visions so crippling? He has these moments that almost beg all of these other questions that you want explained or you want some clarity. I, I I liked the final scenario of that because it also created this internal conflict in me. And I, I'm not quite sure how to feel. And I, I felt that most That's you struggling of the, with the dark side, right? That's me struggling with the dark side. And most of the other stories, I'm just like blandly rooting for the hero. I was like, yeah, the hero, he's going to play a really great song. The hero is going <laughs> to defeat the villain. I've seen that shit before. Well, Here the he fir- succumbs. The, the first one, the hero was technically a villain also. I thought he was a Sith killer because he had all of those crystals, the red crystals. True. He was a Ronin. He was a Ronin. Yeah. yeah. Dark Ronin. Sure. Yeah, I like that little detail. Yeah. <laughs> he was like the Punisher Jedi. Yeah. He was Frank Castle, Jedi Master. A little, little bit more calm. Did you ever hear, I'm going to break us into tangents again. There was like a thing on the internet of how to make up your own Star Wars universe name. So you take your first name and you say it backwards and and that's your first name. And then your last name is the first car you ever like owned or drove. So for example, I would be Namar Celica. So it works. So. I would be Slap Bracelet. Oh, okay. God, here we go. We're pushing it now, man. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> Do you have a bad feeling about this? <laughs> 
so Ryan, tell me first, what was the one you enjoyed the most and then enjoyed the least? I liked the ninth Jedi, and then I liked the sister bunny one. One thing I liked about the ninth Jedi is it's a locked door mystery, right? You have a group of Jedi, ostensibly Jedi, congregating. They don't know into this room. They don't know if it's a trap. They don't know who summoned them. And I really just loved that setup. I was complaining earlier about how a lot of the other stories just like took Star Wars tropes and just redistributed them. It felt very familiar. Here, it was just like an unfamiliar story in, in the Star Wars universe. I, I love a good locked door mystery. And then, of course, at the end, I wasn't expecting all of the Jedi, spoiler alert, to actually be evil. When it all, when yeah. you saw all the red lightsabers show up, yeah. that was that really was exactly. cool. Exactly. Like so there was episode. a really cool twist that, that happened and in, in a story format that was alien no pun intended to the star wars universe it did have some of the stuff that i hate about some of the recent star wars tellings like the plucky young apprentice who manages to save the day and find herself whatever but the structure of that and <laughs> the mystery of that was really really great that's in line with anime though in terms of what you just said the plucky young person who's who figures it out and saves the day almost all of these stories every anime almost has that character yeah, I, I just, uh, but it's fucking annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also the, that's the whole thing with this is what I hear, what, why I hate plucky young protagonists. It's it's because when Luke became a Jedi, right? What was his path? Well, he saw his aunt and uncle incinerated. He saw his master killed. He was emotionally traumatized. He had to like bust his ass for Yoda. He, he made out with his sister. He made out with his sister. And then finally, 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 after like being fucked up, he finally becomes a Jedi master. It is work. It is excruciating both physically and psychologically and spiritually, but he did it. It's failure after failure, but he overcomes each failure and he does it. How does Rey become Jedi Master? Well, she just is really, really good at it. Preternaturally good at it. She just like she just knows how to summon the Force. It's all good, and that, that's like the same thing that we see in this series. It's like, yeah, you try really hard, you're gonna do it. Oh, I'm a robot programmed to the Force. It's almost like it's so easy, and it undermines all of the grueling work that was established in the original trilogy and how to become. A Jedi Knight. So that's why I really don't like plucky young heroes in the Star Wars universe. Well, I, th I think part of it is, and, and I say this lovingly, you want Star Wars to have not just the mystery, but not, I want not even the, you to torture the, the hero. Well, the elitism, because it's like something that people loved, and I did as well about The Last Jedi, was all of us have access. It's just uh, something yeah. about one of the episodes is you don't you, have to be special. You don't have to be like from a special family. Lineage, right. Yeah. But it is and something I think it's the one about the ninth Jedi is in that little girl is you have to grow your relationship with the force, but be it via meditation or becoming one with the universe and stuff like that. It's and some people do have a predisposition, but it's something available for all of us. And I think, Ryan, something that you're saying is it becomes less special. The more we tread on the ground, the more we make it for everybody. That line. Uh, let's just let's use another Disney movie. Um, the Incredibles. There's that line where uh, the villain says, I'm gonna make everyone. Yeah. I'm going to make everyone incredible and then no one will be, right? That's the thing. Yeah. And actually, that's why one another one I really like was the elder, right? The young hero goes out to confront the villain and he gets his ass kicked, almost killed, yeah. and his master yeah. has to bail him out. And it's like, okay, you are too cocky. You fucked up. And this is the consequence of you fucking up. And of course, he gets bailed out. The master, after a really cool battle, manages to best the old villain. And I, I really appreciated that. What, one of the only things I liked about the prequels, plot is interesting, but uh, execution is poor, but was the arc of Obi-Wan. And mm. he is the plucky young Padawan who wants to leap first, ask questions later, and he watches his mentor get killed because of it, right? And that the Elder was one of my favorites. My least favorite was the twins. And it uh, goes against what I was saying about style. It was all style. It was like... It was 100% 100 style. 120% style. Like just, Yeah. And it was fine. It was fun. And it actually represented the things I don't. It's funny. The ninth Jedi represents, and even like the robot one represents everything I l I've enjoyed about anime over the years, what little I've seen. And the twins, <laughs> sorry, Dragon Ball Z, Naruto, recommend, uh, like literally shows me everything I don't like about it. Like the th only thing I like about Naruto is, which is going to get me in trouble, is like the Wii video game. That's a button masher fighting game. <laughs> like I find that more interesting than the drawn out 
hyper intense action sequences. There's no subtlety in that. So yeah. Yeah, and that one almost felt like a companion to Lop and Ocho, the one about the sister bunny. Because it's about this rift between siblings. Siblings. Yeah. And Lop and Ocho had problems, but there you do see this. But kind think of, of like all the, the sweet, sweet this, merch from that episode. So you know. the, yeah, sell no, that bunny. But the, the, the setting in Lop and Ocho was interesting was cool. to me. Because yeah. it, it, it goes into those themes of industrialization of everything all the resources being destroyed, nature is being completely ripped from this world. Right? There's an attempt at world building that the twins doesn't really have. They just, well, I right. want to rule the universe. Woo, okay. But this one is like, okay, there's a reason why Ocho makes the decision that she makes. There's a reason why there's a rift between her and her father. And it actually does a pretty decent job just setting up the scenario in which all of this action takes place. Plus the visuals. This is actually, I really did like, mentioned it earlier, the look of the Star Wars worn out industrial look coupled with this traditional Japanese architecture. The final battle takes place on the spaceship. Yeah. Again, also, against the cherry blossoms. Yeah. Also a metaphor for colonialism. That, yeah. that whole episode, pretty much. I mean, Don't colonize the bunnies. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, I would say like my issue with that one is I'm not sure how the daughter... Tur- like She sides with the Imperials ostensibly because she thinks that's the best thing for her people. And then she goes from that to like this cackling villain. And that's like... Well, that's oh, the dark side. Yeah, but even then, you want a progression, right? <laughs> Ten years later. <laughs> no, no, no. Her abruptness, like the change happens after the 10 years. Yeah. Like she's she's cool. And then all of a sudden is, like he said, a villain. He's like, ha, 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 it's my birthright. And then at least Darth Vader had a motivation for what he was doing. He thought he was doing the right thing. It's like, what are you, why are you doing this again? It's like, it. I understand like maybe you, you do this because you feel like this is the best way to represent your people. Cool. Why are you being such an asshole right now, though? Like, that's where it's like, it, it, it just like, it was a big bit too much of a leap for that character. Yeah, but, you're suddenly trying to kill your father. Yeah, it's like, really, though? I don't yeah. think so. But the rift that you see between the two girls who grew up together, that creates a real conflict in me as I was watching it. So, again, not many of the episodes really did that. What did you guys think of Toby? I don't want to say it was my favorite, but it was one of my favorites in the sense that it like Tatooine Rhapsody uh, those two episodes were very rooted in Japanese anime but so different from the anime that is mostly stereotyped and so it had I don't think it had enough heart I think it had all the heart on the surface but I enjoyed it enough I I could see from a mile away that his mentor was a Jedi. The villain was just like a cartoon figure. The whole thing's a cartoon, but I enjoyed it enough. How, how did you guys react to Toby? I liked it. I liked it. I, again, it has the same themes that I think are powerful enough about one about nature. Their goal there is to Save bring nature back to the planet. And then the art style was so different from any of the other ones. Beyond the obvious Pinocchio metaphors there, it also had more of a old school Disney animation look to it. Reference Astro Boy, I guess, which yeah. is one of the earlier animes, or, or I guess in J- Japan it was called the Mighty Adam, I think. By, by the grandfather of all anime and manga, Osamu Tezuka. Correct. Good reference. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it for all of those callbacks. But yeah, the fight at the end was a little jarring, visually speaking. Cause exactly. It felt like a video it, game at the end. Yeah, it didn't match up with what was happening before, but I don't. I guess that was the point to some degree. I don't know. Yeah, so I agree. I really liked the animation. It reminded me of Astro Boy. It was very unconventional. This is, it, remember I've been bitching about the plucky young hero. This one, this is the one that really set me set me off because it just <laughs> felt so unearned. His ability to take on this badass villain who's the captain of the Star Destroyer. It's like, okay, I guess you were programmed to do that, but that does feel like a cop-out, doesn't it? And then you run into these issues of, what does it matter? Like, what the victory here is that he's able to bring life back to the planet. But why does him being a Jedi, why does him taking on this villain, why does that even matter within the context of that mission? It's almost like they're two separate stories. Yeah. So that was my issue with that one as well. It was probably just realizing his dream of wanting to be a Jedi, like just yeah. putting a bow on that. But Again, these like are all so short that they have to address yeah. everything so quickly. That's yeah. also another thing. Uh, yeah, you were comparing this to the the Pixar 
shorts. And I feel like those always take you to some surprising places. Yeah. And that, I guess that's my big beef, right? Just because it's 15 minutes doesn't mean you can't tell a really interesting, emotionally gripping story. True. And I feel like maybe sometimes there was too much interest in doing fan service or playing with the Star Wars mythology at the it's expense play, it's playing of... With the, it's playing with the toys. That's all it is. Yeah, it's playing with the toys and somebody has a really cool toy and we get to watch them for 15 minutes. But I feel like for a lot of these episodes, it could have been more. If they had been like, okay, what? Just a story that takes place in the Star Wars universe. Maybe there's a lightsaber in it, maybe not. But we're not going to try to make every story about, oh, we're going to rule the world. Leave that for the movies. There's an opportunity to tell smaller, more intimate stories. And the ones that were successful i feel at least made an overture towards doing that what's interesting is the anime fan who is drawn to star wars who wants to play with the star wars sandbox is not miyazaki right and and i think that's what probably would have delivered on that more if you had gone to non-fans who live in the anime universe and say here's a broad construct of the things that work and don't work in this universe go tell a story and I think that would yield for deeper storytelling that isn't so obsessed with the same four or five Star Wars tropes that we all want to see in a like 15 minute dragon. What if Dragon Ball Z? What if Ghost in the Shell? What if whatever met Star Wars? Naruto met Star Wars. So I, that, and that leads me to a broader, more meta question. Do you think this was a creative or a commercial exercise to release this? I think with Disney, it's probably both. Honestly, mm. like everything creative is also going to be commercial. So I don't think you can really extract that. Honestly, with most content these days, I don't think you can really extract that. I'm sure like for, also depends on who you ask, right? The Maybe the producer who greenlit it saw the opportunity to further capitalize on the Star Wars universe, but the people who are creating it, this is a passion project for them. So mm. both maybe. Right. I would say maybe if you ask the anime studios, they might tell you it was a creative endeavor, right? Mm like a, a chance of a lifetime. If you ask Disney, it might be different. When you watch the behind the scenes stuff, obviously it's all put out by Disney. So they're all talking <laughs> about how it's a creative endeavor and how fulfilling it was for everybody. It's a matter of whether you believe it or not. To what Ryan was saying before, just because it's 15 minutes doesn't mean you can't tell a fulfilling story. I do think some of these accomplish that. And I think my favorite one was The Village Bride because that was the most unexpected Star Wars story. World building, interesting village, interesting characters. They they introduce, you know, this ritual that they have with nature and the wedding ceremony and all of that stuff. It's just stuff you don't ever see in Star Wars, right? And it was, it was a little bit more meditative, uh, a little bit slower, but I thought it worked really, really well. Do you guys want to see more? or less of this type of thing. So part of the question is, okay, inevitably there will be a season two. Are you watching it? But more importantly, I think the question is around, should Disney or any major streamer be taking like wild swings with existing IP, or should they quit retreading the old IP? Just go make us new shit. Is it a wild swing to do this? It's Star Wars at the end of the day. Yeah, but to hand it over to a bunch of anime directors and mash it up, that's a... Why not just go go make the Boba Fett show? Go make the Obi Wan show. I mean, show. they did that a little bit with the new Star Wars sequels, right? It was exquisite corpse style, where let's just make this shit up as we go along. So I feel like they always. And I will give like Last Jedi credit for like they are trying to redefine the Star Wars mythos. They whether you like it or not, some people were like really into it. Other people were like, "What the hell?" Well, they um, undid so it I, almost immediately. So. Yeah, so which side won out? But Disney has tried to take wild swings with it. I, I would say just with Star Wars, the way Disney's handling it in general, it is time to get away from the Skywalkers and the Stormtroopers and some of the stuff. that the, the universe is rich, right? And when you see the same things over and over again, the TIE Fighters, the X-Wing Fighters, all of that stuff yeah. that I loved growing up, but you've seen it so much, the universe seems pretty damn small now, right? So... Mm-hmm. I would say I would like to see more of this animated style because it does seem to hearken to a bigger universe, but I'd also like to see them get away from some of the tropes that have to this point become cliches. There's a really good Patrick H. Willems video about what do we want from a Star Wars movie? And I think it came out, there were a couple of videos he did about Star Wars before becoming disillusioned with it. 
but it was almost like here are the core things that you should do and some was just like being a lived in universe and that was it like everything should be old nothing should be new that's why the prequels didn't work but it's it's not about lightsabers it's not about catchphrases it's about this red dead redemption version of science fiction what does that mean <laughs> that last line it's i play like, red dead i know i i so i have a guess but i'm just curious what you mean it, like it's a lived-in universe people are just trying to make it people are just trying to make their way in the universe and everyone's got a story like every like almost everyone you encounter there's a story behind who this person is and what they're doing and it might be tragic it might be mundane but we're gonna go spend some time on it and you can choose to linger on a certain farm or in a village you can choose to do the right thing or do the wrong thing it's not just about heroes and the hero's journey that was the skywalker saga but the the universe building like star wars was one of the first properties to really do the universe building like okay and even like in the prequels i remember watching a lot of behind the scenes stuff getting excited about it and it was like oh yeah the People live on this planet, and we really needed to define, never mind the issue that every planet is a single ecosystem, but we really needed to define like all the kinds of animals and creatures and cultures. And there was a real exercise about everything we're going to do. And, 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 it, <laughs> and, it, and it got lazy towards the end. That was, that was an expert sidestep. Expert. Yeah. So that's what I by the Red Dead Redemptionness of the universe. Yeah. And what we saw, what we saw in... These stories, I think, defines that. I am still thinking about the first story, the duel, and what that world is like, where he was walking off to. There was a point even when, I think it was in the Ninth Jedi, where somebody was named Ronin. And I was like, wait, is that the same dude? Is this connected to that one? Mm -hmm. So I was like, whether or not it was connected or not, it got me thinking in that way, which is exciting. Right? It's not what Star Wars has done recently. Yeah, one of the things I really liked about... The Mandalorian. Certain episodes were when they just decided to go to a planet and hang out. So even like the one where they infiltrate the Imperial base and Bill Burr, who's playing yeah. a bounty hunter, they just go have a conversation with the guy, and you you find the backstory of the stuff. And when when Star Wars does that well, because we we already know all the baggage of the lightsabers and the blasters and what a hovercraft sounds like. And they don't, literally don't have wheels. And when you do see a wheel, you're like, oh, my God, that's weird. I guess my bigger question, guys, is should these massive studios, be it Disney, Hulu, Netflix, should they be treading on existing IP or should they be focusing on trying to create new things? Because if we're not careful, there won't be any new things that are the next Back to the Future, the next Terminator, the next Star Wars. Yeah. If we keep retreading everything. I'd like just I'd like new things, right? Just as somebody who's consuming this stuff. I loved Star Wars growing up, but again, every time you retread it, it feels it cheapens it a little bit more mm. and I lose interest. So there is a sense, and I actually feel this about the Marvel movies as well, that they are really wringing it out. And you can see them repeat, rinse and repeat the same story structures, the same stories. And I wouldn't say that it's like destroying my memories of these great properties that I had when I was growing up, but I'm getting tired of it. And I never thought I'd ever, you know, strange. When I first saw the Star Wars prequels and trailers in high school, I was like freaking hyped. I got in a car accident trying to buy a lightsaber, <laughs> not a slap bracelet lightsaber, but I was trying to buy a Darth Maul lightsaber at Toys R Us. And I, I pulled into the parking lot too fast and somebody rear-ended me. Yeah, that was the enthusiasm I had for that series growing up. And I just don't really have that anymore and i think a large part of it is that you're just inundated with it and so yeah i would like to see some new stuff it could also just be that we're older also well i was thinking about that too but when i saw the trailer for the force awakens i felt like i did the first time i saw that trailer for phantom menace so yeah maybe it's that i'm older but i still get hyped for movies i'm still really looking forward to the new spider-man movie but I, I just think that Star Wars in particular has been played out maybe more than some of the other properties. I hear you. Roman, to your point in whether other companies should be taking big swings with existing IPs or not, my answer is a little bit similar to Ryan's in the sense of, yes, I would love to see new stuff. But practically speaking, I feel like sometimes the only way they will take big swings is with existing ip and but that's if, sad that's sad because it means it might be sad but that's how you if that's the only way we can sometimes see a unique filmmaker or a unique person's 
take on something that so that, be it. I, that means it, that means it's getting harder and harder because back in the day, call it in the pre mass IP era, the eighties, maybe the seventies with the exception of like James Bond and a couple of Disney things you didn't like, if you were trying to create something new, you weren't competing with all the existing baggage that was out I there. Agree. I and agree. I, and I think, I think we're going to squeeze it out more and more if we're not careful. Well, that's how, that's how you end up with shit like the Joker, right? I'm not a fan of the Joker. Had that movie come out and it had been called anything else, I might have been a fan of it. But even like the Joker, I can respect what they were trying to do, right? Because it was a big swing, so to speak. And it succeeded for them, wildly successful. But like I said, maybe that's the only way this stuff works. (laughs) I would say The Dark Knight was also a big swing, but that that totally worked. But I also wasn't a big fan of the Joker. That's the risk with taking a big swing, right? Sometimes you mm-hmm. totally miss. Mm-hmm. And actually saying that the Joker missed probably is wrong because even though Press you and I didn't like it, it did really well. No, right? that's what People I mean. It was, it was hugely right. successful. Yeah. Hugely successful. And I could respect the swing. I could respect it. I just didn't like it. <laughs> well, like how we feel about some of these episodes of Star Wars Visions. Would you recommend this to a friend? Who liked Star Wars, who only saw the movies in theaters. If they were marginally interested in Star Wars, probably not. If they were diehard Star Wars fans, I'd be like, yes, this is an interesting take. You might be interested in it too. A muted, muted, yeah. <laughs> I, wouldn't re- I wouldn't recommend it to a hardcore Star Wars fan, probably. Although I, I might have a prejudiced view against <laughs> hardcore Star Wars fans. But <laughs> the thing I enjoyed about this also was that I didn't have to worry about canon. I didn't have to worry about who was who. It was just watching something new. So I feel like if an existing diehard Star Wars fan would be nitpicking this to death in terms of where this fits in in the story and, and what can and cannot exist. Awesome. Well, Ryan, there is but only one more question that I can't ask that you've uh-huh. already answered before. Yeah. <laughs> what is that question, though? What are we going to read next week that I'm not going to interrupt with some other pop culture thing that I want to interrupt quarantine comics with? Next week, we're going to go in a completely different direction. There ain't no plucky heroines here unless you count Jeffrey Dahmer as a plucky hero. I would not. We are going to be reading Dahmer... And Kent State by the cartoonist Durf Backdurf. Yes, that is his real name. And so the first one is My Friend Dahmer, which is basically about the Durf's recollections of going to high school with the infamous serial killer. Which hit movie was made on, speaking of no new IP. Is there a My Friend Dahmer movie coming out? The book I've got has a sticker on the front that says, oh, you're right, now yeah. a movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's already out. Jeffrey Dahmer Origins. There you go. <laughs> Which is kind of what it is. And then we're also going to be reading Durf Backdurf's account of what happened at Kent State, the different personalities who were involved, and the boiling pot that eventually led to the deaths of four students back in 1970. So a little blast to the past instead of going to a galaxy far, far away. We're going to stay on and look at some of the seedier stuff that happened in the state of Ohio. Looking forward to it. I hope you guys are too. No slap bracelet lightsabers involved. So, Paresh, thanks again for joining. And to all you wannabe Jedis out there, may the Force be with you. Always. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Be sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See lots of pretty pictures of books we read at qtdcomics.com. And since we're sure no one's listening, prove us otherwise. Shoot an email over to say what I got right and what Ryan got wrong. qtdcomics at gmail.com. Give you a social media handle, but we're old, and that feels like too much work. I'm Roman Segel. And I am and have always been Ryan Joe.
Thank <laughs> you.